Yes, good evening. I'm Gareth. I'm, I'm part of the team here. Um, in a moment, I'm going to welcome our, our speaker for tonight up. Um, but let me tell you a little story before I do that. Five years ago, five and a half years ago, I was called uh, to Balamoni Presbyterian Church as the minister. I moved up there with my family, and we moved in on a Thursday, but I wasn't installed as minister till the following Thursday. And that meant I had a free Sunday. We don't get those very often in our line of work. And uh, I thought, I'm going to go along to a neighboring church in the town, just kind of fly under the radar, slip in the back pew, so to speak. And the preacher that day at St. James's Presbyterian Church was none other than the guy we have sitting here tonight. Do you know this? No? No? Very good. Uh, this is great. So and I remember his sermon. Now, I can tell you, I've heard hundreds of sermons. I can't remember what I preached on this morning. But I remember this guy speaking, and he had Pepsi bottles and Coke bottles and regular just cola bottles. And he was talking to the congregation about, do you know the real thing? And he was saying, you know, when it comes to Jesus Christ and love and truth, do you know the real thing? Are you, are, are you settling for something less? And I thought, you know, five and a half years on to remember that sermon is a mark of how God is at work in this guy's life. So it is. So, Pip, I, I want to really just welcome you here tonight and welcome you home in many ways. Can we honor Pip as he comes up, please? Would that be okay? And as you're um, just unpacking and sorting stuff out here, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you back here in Orangefield. And I hope it feels really familiar to you and exciting for you to be here. Good, good, good. Do they look any different? Okay. <laughs> but we'll take that as a good thing. <laughs> good. Um, some of these guys, you know, have known you since you were no high. Maybe even changed your nappy, I don't know. Um, it's true. <laughs> Uh, others might not know you, so just take a moment and tell the guys here a little bit about you and your family. Okay, good evening everyone. It's really, really nice to be here with you tonight. So, yeah, for anybody who doesn't know, my name is Pip. I am a bit north of 40, <laughs> uh, 46 years of age. I know I don't look it, but um, <laughs> and, uh, I'm married to Rachel, and we've been married 13 years with three kids. Grace, Reuben, and Matthew, who are sitting over there, very well behaved. You, you, give me a wave. Thanks for your enthusiasm there. <laughs> and, and they're sitting beside my, my mother, Margaret. And uh, I grew up in this, this church. And uh, just over a year ago, we, we moved on into a new setting. So. Fantastic. Uh, a, a lot of the guys here will have known you, not just through here, but through your time with Crown Jesus. Uh, and you had a phenomenal ministry there. <clears throat> But like you said, a year ago, you moved into a different role. God called you into a different role with Dundonald Elam. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell the guys a little bit uh, about that and what your role there is like and what you're, what you're doing? Yeah, um, well, I went through about a year of a really difficult period of trying to discern God's guidance in my life because I obviously and always will love the work of Crown Jesus and, and the vision is still in my heart to see the people of Ireland crown Jesus Lord of their lives. That vision doesn't change with your employer. <laughs> and, um, but over that year, I, I just felt God leading me into something new. And one of the doors that opened up to me was to be one of the pastors in Dundonald Elam Church. And that opened up for me. And I started there last September. Okay. 
and it's been a pretty, pretty amazing year. Pretty amazing year. Um, you want me to say a wee bit about the year? Yeah, yeah why not? Go for okay, it. Okay, okay. You, you can't set it, it up like that and then leave everybody I guessing. Know, I know, I know. No, it has. It's been, a, it's been an incredible year. Obviously, a steep learning curve for me, a very different type of, of, of setting. But I am loving the, the role, loving being with the same people week in, week out, and getting to minister to them, and just loving the, the, the passion, the, 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 the genuineness, the authenticity within the people in our church, and just their hunger for God and their desire for more of Him is just remarkable. And Are it, you talking about your job or my job? It's probably... Because it's probably, very similar so here, so it is, I, yeah. No, I, I to- totally get that, absolutely. And, um, and we're also, we're, we're seeing God's hand at work. Um, the church over the last year has, has, has more than doubled in size, and there's momentum there to keep that going at that rate, and, and we're just trusting God for great things. Fantastic. That's so encouraging to hear that growth. Um, t- tell us one last thing, and then I'm going to pray for you and sit down. Pip, uh, what is God teaching you in this season at the minute in your life? Okay, um, there are lots of things. I am obviously in a very different setting from an itinerant one, so I'm, I've gone on a very steep learning curve in terms of, of working with the same people week in, week out, and, and planning and working for, for the long term. Um, but I am learning that God has opened up my heart to, to love the congregation. I did not feel, I did not know that the depth of love that God was going to give me for the people in the church and the, the pastoral responsibility that we have is one that we take very, very seriously. And um, I'm just learning in that the, the privilege of being able to walk through life with people, the joys and also the sorrows, and the fact that God would actually give me a position where people would open up to me and let me into their grief and their joy as well. I find that an enormous privilege and challenge too. And probably the big thing that we're learning is as we, as we go on a steep curve and upward trajectory of growth, we're really learning to, that afresh to trust God. And I think as you go through life, all the different phases, you go through different experiences, it's continually teaching us how to trust more. And that's, that's the big one for me. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can I pray yeah, for please. you? And then I'm going to hand over to you and you can open up God's word to us tonight. Great. Let's pray, guys. Father, we want to thank you for, for this man and for his love for you and for his, his faithfulness and for just his radical trust, willing to, to step out in faith into new things for you, Lord. We pray for him tonight. Holy Spirit, come and fill him. Yeah. <clears throat> Lead him beyond beyond familiarity, beyond uh, a place of comfort and nostalgia, being back in his home church, and, and fill him and use him now in this moment to speak to each one of us, minister through him to minister <coughs> your heart to us, Father. Yeah. And give each one of us hearts and minds that are open to everything you would say to us and do within us tonight in preparation for what lies ahead of us this week. Mm. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you very, very much. Well, good evening to you all again. All right. It really is good to be here with you tonight, and I want to thank Gareth for the invitation to come along and speak, and also for his warm words of welcome. It's lovely to be back in Orangefield. It genuinely is, and it does feel very much like uh, coming home. And I have to say, a great blessing for me over this past while has been the continual great reports that I, I hear about what God is doing in this church it is fantastic, and, and I'm so blessed by all of that. During the vacancy period, I and, and people in our church and, and many others would have been joining with you and praying that God would lead you to the right person who could help lead the church forward here. And that was a genuine prayer because in, in our hearts, we knew that to get the, everything rises and falls in leadership and to get the right person to come in here would see this church go from strength to strength, someone to build on the, the, the legacy that has been left and, and to take the church into a new future it would be so, so important. And, and I'm just thrilled that the Lord led you to Gareth. And of course, you've got a, you have a, a double blessing of, uh, of Gareth and, and Gary and, and two great leaders who with the session and the staff team here, I know will lead this church on from strength to strength because this place is full of the best people. And I know that there's a hunger and a, a desperation in your hearts as well for more of God and to see this church accomplish all that it can and, can and do in God. So it's, it's just really good to be back here tonight just to come into the atmosphere again and be able to worship with you uh, again. It's really, really good. So will we get started? Yeah, you're, you're uh, good at, as good at the response as ever. See, I, 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 I've been in a Pentecostal church now for a year, and the response is pretty good, you know, so, so work with me. Just set the Presbyterian shackles down for the next half, and, and let, let's go, go with this one, yeah? And if you have a Bible with you, turn, please, with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to start reading at verse 40. Acts chapter 2, verse 40 and it will come up on the screen behind me. I'm going to be reading from the New King James, but that just means you'll be concentrating all the more on the, on the words that are on the screen, or if you have a Bible, open it up with me. This is the inspired and the authoritative Word of God. And with many other words, he, that is Peter, testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the Word were baptized and that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Amen. And we know God will add his blessing to that reading from his word. What we're going to do over the next few minutes together is think about the word fellowship. And whilst on occasions I'm going to have to direct this specifically to you and use language like that, um, equally everything it's said tonight applies to the congregation. 
that I am part of as well. Fellowship is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I want us to consider two different aspects of it. Firstly, fellowship is a word that describes something that we are. It describes something that we are tonight. At Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. The church was birthed. What what an incredible day that was. But those 3,000 people became a, a fellowship. The Greek word, for fellowship is koinonia, and what it mean, one of the meanings of that word is to share. Now, we can use that word in, in many different contexts, even in a worldly context, to describe a group of people who share a common interest. But the fellowship that we are here tonight is Christian, because it's centered upon our shared belief in Jesus Christ. Fellowship is a word that describes something that we are And secondly, it's a word that describes something that we we do. The word koinonia means to share, but it also means to participate in and contribute to. Fellowship is not just a a passive understanding of the the theological significance of our, our gathering here tonight. It is about actions, and actions that are intensely relational. 3,000 were saved in the day of Pentecost, and and it resulted in actions that saw them pouring their lives into each other. They studied God's Word together. They broke bread. They prayed. They ate together, met in each other's homes, offered hospitality. They did life together and generously met each other's needs. They did fellowship. Now, again, we can use the word in a worldly sense for a group of people who participate in a cause, but the fellowship we participate in and contribute to tonight is Christian because it's centered upon Jesus. So Acts 2 sees this explosion of koinonia, absolute explosion of fellowship. 3,000 people became a fellowship because of their shared faith in Jesus, but they were also committed to working out their newfound status by participating in and contributing to fellowship as they poured their lives into each other. And it strikes me that both understandings of the word koinonia are crucial, because what we are theologically needs to be worked out in practice. What we are theologically here tonight needs to be worked out in practice. There are some strands of Christianity that will be strong in theology, but maybe weak in practice. You might not feel an awful lot of love in some places like that. And on the flip side of that, you can find some congregations that might be strong in practice. They do life together, but there mightn't be the theological basis and understanding for it all. Both understandings of the word are crucial. You are being blessed at the minute as a fellowship. But if you want to continue to thrive, if you want to continue to grow and move forward in God, you need to keep working out who you are in practice, just like we have to in Dundonald. There are loads of things that we share in theologically tonight. And it doesn't make a difference to how we uh, relate to one another. We share in them theologically anyway. We, we believe that when we, we were born into this world, we were born separated from God because of sin. The fellowship with God was, was broken. We also believe that through Jesus, that fellowship was restored. 
We have a shared faith. We have shared belief. We have a shared understanding of who, who God is in the saving work of Jesus. We have a shared ministry to advance the cause of the gospel. A shared power in the Holy Spirit and a shared eternity. There's so much that we share tonight because we are a fellowship. But our theology and our shared beliefs need to be worked out in practice. And we do this through authentic fellowship. And for the remainder of this talk, I want to focus on one of the crucial aspects of fellowship that needs worked out in practice, particularly in the season that we're in and beyond. And that word or aspect is unity. It's massively important. Unity is at the heart of fellowship. We are one in Christ. Yes, there are tens of thousands of denominations all across the world. I might be a member of a different church now, but we at Salvation, we're all placed in unity into one body in fellowship with Christ and each other. Whether we like each other or not doesn't change the fact we're one in Christ. We're one set of branches connected to one vine, one flock under one shepherd, one family under one father, one building under one foundation, and one body under one head. We're one. Theologically, we're united in Jesus. But the whole point I'm trying to emphasize this evening is that who Orangefield is theologically needs worked out continually in practice because unity also involves this deep, profound, and eternal relationship with each other. In Acts 2, we read of this vibrant united relationship and fellowship. These people, they were all together. They had all things in common. They were of one accord. They were of one mind. They were a united fellowship, but they were participating in, and they were contributing to something that was so, so significant. They enhanced their unity through fellowship Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Keeping unity in any fellowship is important, particularly here as you're seeing God's blessing. Because let me tell you this, where there is blessing, there will be a battle. Where there is blessing, there will be a battle. And if there is one way, the devil will try to just drive a wedge right through everything God's doing in this church. It's through ruining the unity and the togetherness that you feel at this moment. The Bible says we need to be aware of the devil's schemes, and the, because the fact of our unity in Christ matters little if in a day-to-day sense we're not committed to working it out through fellowship. Let me explain what I mean about working out unity through fellowship. Sharing the picture that came into my head as I thought about unity in the spiritual battle that can be around it. Years ago, I remember learning about the Roman army, as I'm sure most of us did when we were in school. And of course, they were the superpower of their day, this elite force, and they, they conquered most of the Western world primarily because they were a well-equipped army. And they had great weaponry and great armor. And they used two different types of shield in battle. And one of those shields was a small circular shield which had straps in the back and they could hold it with one hand and fight with the other. But the other shield 
was a much larger one. It was called the Scutum, for those taking notes, S-C-U-T-U-M. And it would have been about four and a half feet high, two and a half feet wide. And, and this was an, an, an amazing shield because it could be used to push opponents over, but it also could be used as a door for the soldiers to, to hide behind and, and protect their bodies. But the really interesting thing that I want to share with you tonight about the Scutum was it was designed in a way that meant the soldiers could lock shields. It was designed in a way that meant they could lock shields together. So when the army was attacking cities and there was, there was fire coming from high places, what those soldiers would do is they would close ranks. They would lock their shields together and they would form this formation around them and above them of their shields to protect themselves. The formation was called the Testudo, T-E-S-T-U-D-O. Can you imagine when those soldiers pulled rank and they locked their shields together? Essentially what they became was like a, a formidable human tank. They became an unstoppable force. And this is the picture I have in my head tonight. When I think of unity in this fellowship... Yes, you're one in Christ, but in practice, in the battle, in a day-to-day sense, you need to lock shields and stand together. Authentic fellowship, that's what's going to keep those shields locked through the thick and through the thin of the journey ahead and keep you united and make Orange feel this unstoppable force. Do you believe it? I believe it with every bit of fiber in me. I believe this church can be that unstoppable force. But it will come when we lock shields together. In Acts chapter 2, it says that the first church was so vibrant. The scriptures say that God added to their number daily those who were being saved. But it was not long before difficulties arose and relationship problems created schism within the early church. God is blessing this church. You are moving forward. Thank God for it. He is doing something special. Keep in that place of expectancy. Keep in that place of longing and anticipation of what God wants to do here in this fellowship because you have something precious as we do in Dundonald Lelium too, and that is you have spiritual momentum here. You have spiritual momentum, and it needs to be built on. This is a place people are going to want to be. God added to their number daily, and I'm sure that's the heart of your leadership, that they would long for the day when people are being saved day in, day out, through the work of this fellowship, not just in these four walls, but as a church scattered all across this nation week in, week out. And I'm sure there's a longing in many of your hearts too. You want to see the church growing. You want to see it growing spiritually, and you want to see it growing numerically and reach the potential that you have. We're the same in Dundonald. I have the privilege of working with the most superb ministry team. Malcolm Duncan is is our lead pastor. I have never heard a, a teaching ministry quite like it. It is phenomenal what we get fed week in week out. And his heart, his heart for revival in Ireland is just contagious. Pastor Davy Hume, who leads a youth work, doing an outstanding work there as well. And the volunteers and the many people who are involved in it. We are dreaming dreams. You know what we're dreaming of? 
as a session. We're dreaming of a church of 1,500 people. We need to get a different site. But we're, going, we're dreaming of a church of 1,500 people that will be the key influencer in Dundonald and the surrounding areas in terms of how we tangibly meet social need in Jesus' name. We're also going to pursue an ambitious church planting strategy across Ireland because we want to see revival in this nation. And we also want to have missionaries on every continent in this planet. We're dreaming big dreams, but the only way we're going to realize it is if through the thick and the thin of life and through the thick and the thin of ministry, we stay strong together. We don't let those shields down. We lock shields and we stay together in that. It's exactly the same for Orangefield. It's exactly the same for any fellowship. And if we can do it, if you can do it here, it's going to take this place to an explosive new level. I believe that in my heart. And what will take it to that explosive new level is if what you have in here, see what is in the, within these four walls here, is if you can take that togetherness that you have now when you're a church gathered and take it into the arenas that you find yourselves in when you are the church scattered. You've seen growth here from the dynamic of what's happening within these four walls. Imagine what will happen if the koinonia that is in here is released when you're the church scattered, when you're in your different arenas every week where you stay strong together. You speak well of each other. You speak well of this church. You love each other. And when people, I tell you, there's something contagious about that. There's too many wet blankets out there who are prepared to pour, pour, pour cold water on, on, on people and stop them from coming to church. You should be going into your, I heard every Everybody was on their feet this morning after church. That should be the first thing in your lips tomorrow when you find yourself in the workplace and people are talking about their weekend. You want to have seen the day we had in church. Maybe people might understand the dynamic of, 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 of people standing together, but the positivity that we take that out and there's still that sense of we've locked shields in here tonight, but we're going to keep those shields locked. We're going to keep strong and have that sense of togetherness when we are the church scattered. Can you imagine if, 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 if there was a commitment in this or in any fellowship to doing what the early church did? I know you have home groups in this church. I was part of one for two decades, and it was a key influencer in my development and my relationship with God. It was really, if you're not part of a, a home group, you need to become part of one. I don't apologetically say it like that. Because that will be you saying tonight, you know what? I want to be part of this. I don't want to sit on the periphery. I don't want to sit on the edges. I don't want to be prepared with a, a, a status quo or, or, or whatever it is. I want to lock shields with these people. I want to be part of it. And entering into one of those fellowships could be your way of practically saying, I want to take what's here and, and, and live that out in my life every day. I tell you, if, there's a, if, if you can take out the enthusiasm that is within this church, the hunger, the passion, the unity, and live that out every day of your lives, there would be an explosion because the world desperately needs us to do it. Desperately needs us to do it because this world was created in God's image. Every person was created in God's image. And the God that we have is a triune God who was created Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they live in perfect fellowship. So if we're created in God's image, we're created for the longing and the need for fellowship. The world needs it. 
The world needs it. And if we can go and tell them what God's doing here, tell them what God's doing in Dundonald, I tell you, there's something will stir in some people's hearts that they want to intri- that intrigue and want to know more. The world needs you to lock shields. It needs you to lock shields. But what will keep those shields locked is in unity is Christian fellowship. And I tell you, any fellowship that does that would be a magnet for the lost. The United Church is a powerful one. You know what a big problem, though, is around the land? A lot of Christians, instead of locking shields, they're locking horns. Please, God, don't let it happen here. A lot of Christians, instead of locking shields, they're locking horns, falling out over secondary theological issues while the world is going to hell. Relationship breakdowns, power struggles. Power struggles. We're discerning this one. As our church grows, we know there's going to be people who will raise their head when they want power, they want position, they want prestige. We need to be so discerning with that one. Don't be somebody who tries to clamber for that. Be a church where it's prepared to wash each other's feet and serve one another in love and, 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 and maintain that wonderful fellowship that we're talking about here this evening. And make no doubts about it. Let's draw sort of to a close in a bit of a response time here. It's keeping unity and driving it forward is not going to be easy. It's going to be hard work. Acts 2 says the early church were committed to each other. They continued steadfastly every day. And there needs to be that commitment here. And I look forward to the great future you have as a church and all that God is going to do, but lock your shields and stand strong as an army, an unstoppable force. There's going to be challenges, hence the need for commitment. Fellowship, it's something that we participate in and commit to. This is not an individual private experience. Sitting here on a Sunday isn't what it's about. It's about being part of what God is doing in this church and around this land. And maybe there's a challenge for some to step up and to step off the periphery and to get involved. It needs worked out. You're all partners. You're a team, a great team, a great team. But we need to keep that unity through fellowship. There should never be a time in this body where a foot saying to the hand, I don't need you. The reality is everyone desperately needs each other. We need each other. There's different personalities here. There's different ideas. There's different roles, different functions in one body. But you need each other. We need that encouragement. I feel in my heart, Orangefield is on the cusp of something special. And I'm not using that as a motive language or to try and stir up something. I really believe, because I see the heart and I see the love that your leadership team has and their aspiration and their ambition and what God is doing. Three souls saved at the Alpha Weekend. Come on, that's what it's all about. One person last Sunday night gave their lives to Jesus. Come on, that's what it's about. That's what we want to see. I really believe you're on the cusp of something special, but don't be the one. Sometimes when I think of unity, I think of this big wall that just surrounds what God is doing. But the only way the devil will get a a foothold is if a crack appears in the wall. Don't be the crack. Don't be the one who gives him a foothold here. Stand strong together.
and lock those shields. Let's all stand together. I'm going to ask you to do something here. If you're able, just stand. And I'm going to ask you to do something here. And again, you don't have to do this because it might be out of some of your comfort zones or some people. Just If you're not able in your bodies, don't be doing this. But I'm actually going to ask us to lock shields tonight. I'm going to ask us to lock arms in a minute. And I'm going to ask the guys who are here and the guys who are here, let's all come in and let's all, and let's all, let's all just gather together and let's lock our arms. Somebody lock an arm there with Gareth, please. <clears throat> I want you to close your eyes. I hope you're dreaming. I hope you're thanking God. That's not just always be living in the future. We need to celebrate what God's doing in the here and now. But I hope this is inspiring your dreams for the future and the possibilities of what might be. But what, here we are tonight, and this is just a visible sign. It's a visible demonstration of our, our togetherness, our unity. The greatest privilege in life, folks, is to have fellowship with God and each other. This is a fellowship, and it's Christian, but it also involves not just belief, but actions. Will you commit to being that church who are united through fellowship? I'm just doing something a bit different because I hope it lives in your memory, and I want it to be something that, that lodges in your mind, that you remember that night when you stood shoulder to shoulder with that person beside you. Can you imagine, please imagine it, can you imagine the unstoppable force for good that this church can be if you stick together, no matter the circumstances, what you're saying tonight is, see the person to my left and my right behind me and in front of me, I love you. I love you so much. And I'm locking my shield tonight with you because I'm committed to you. I'm absolutely committed to you. I'm not going to be the one that gives the devil a foothold in this church. He can fire his best missiles at, at Orangefield Presbyterian, but they're just going to bounce off us because we've locked shields. Don't drop your shields. When a relationship becomes strained, don't drop your shield. Work it out in love. When a marriage is in trouble, don't drop your shield. Work it out in love. When someone lets you down, as they will, because we're only human. When someone lets you down, don't up and leave. You're locking your shield tonight. You're in this for the long haul. And that's why if a church is to flourish and grow, the commitment to one another needs to be seasoned with grace and forgiveness. Don't drop your shield. Don't let gossip, don't let backstabbing become something that weakens your stance tonight. Build each other in love, up in love. You're a family and a wonderful and a beautiful family. Ecclesiastes talks about the threefold cord not easily broken. How many people are here tonight? I don't know, 150? Imagine our 150-fold cord. It can't be broken if we stick together through thick and thin. 
even through disagreement. Unity allows you space to disagree in things. <laughs> but always choose to walk together in love. Please don't let this be a spectator sport tonight. Commit to let no corrupt talk come out of your mouths. Commit to building each other up. That's what it's about. Can you commit to going the second mile for that person you're connected to? Do you know what? The person you might be connected to might be someone who you came here tonight with and you maybe had a wee row. But maybe you just lock in shields tonight with them just saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Come on, let's keep walking forward together. Can you go into the second mile for one another? burying each other's burdens. No matter how big this church gets, please hear this one. Don't seek position or power or prestige. Keep serving each other in love. What a church. What a church this is. And what a church this will be. It's what we are as a fellowship, but it's what we do. Let's commit to it and let's live it out in love. Worship team are going to uh, lead us into just some songs of response. As we sing with one heart and one voice, you can drop your arms, but don't drop your shields. All right? And uh, just even keep in, in your togetherness where you're at, us in the aisles and everything. But let's lift up our God. God is good, isn't he? We have a wonderful, wonderful God. And it's a privilege to have fellowship with him. But what a privilege to have fellowship with each other tonight. Let's honor him. Let's worship him. And let's go into this week and live for him. All right? Amen? Okay. God bless you.